We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, a.k.a. Blender HD, a.k.a. hopefully on top of you on the GPP leaderboards this coming Sunday. Didn't work out for me on Thanksgiving. I went completely contrarian and pretty much all the chalk smashed. So uh, so I, I, had, I had a good Thanksgiving from, from a meal perspective, but not necessarily in, in the bankroll perspective. Join with me as, as always. The man behind the model at Advanced Sports Analytics. It's Stuart Gibson, who's who's finally back from some Thanksgiving travel. I'm not I'm not sure if you played the Thanksgiving slate, but uh, when you have a two game slate, a three game slate that turned into a two game slate, and then like ultra chalk on like one game, it's like, well, if I want to if I want to compete for the million dollars, the easiest path for me is to just like uh, I'm going to stack the other game, or I'm going to play for the Texans to do badly. And uh, it it's going to happen less often, but when it does, I make a lot of money. Uh, it didn't happen. Yeah, I, I did get a play, and I I, I kind of like playing Thanksgiving. I I don't know if it's correct or incorrect, but I work under the assumption that like Thanksgiving draws maybe a little more casual uh, like volume people who are maybe playing and just don't have the time to like focus and build lineups well. So I think it's for me. I always each year think it's a good spot to actually kind of try to play a little higher than usual. And, uh, but yeah, it was tough once it got down to a two game slate. Um, 
you know, I was especially, hoping especially that especially with the salaries. I mean, like the salaries were were purposefully softened up as it was, and yeah. then they took off like a third of the options, and it was yeah. very hard to build a lineup where you like I'm going to spend uh, almost all my salary and oh, like that's there's only about ten lineups that do that. So so either either you're going way off the board, or you're just going to try to make some some like negative correlations because less people will play it like playing stacking the Texans and the defense, those types yeah. of things. If you saw in, in most contests, you know, chalk lineups won, but like it's split multiple ways. So like, like when your EV is going to be chopped up like that, like I always make my lineups and I throw it in and see what the duplication level is. And like my goal on those types of slates is as long as I'm less duped, like I'm fine with losing more often than not as long as you know the two percent of time that I win, I win a lot of money. It, ju- it just seemed like any any lineup I made with uh, with a Texan stack, like it just it's like I I can't see yeah. I can't see fifty more people are gonna have this. Yeah, I mean I I, I tried to heavy up on both dogs and uh, yeah that didn't work so well because Watson smashed. Um, you know, I had plenty of Fuller uh, just you know in kind of unstacked with Watson, but it's just like. None of the other really quarterbacks got there. Cash, I was doing fine uh, for really most of the day, but I had like Dallas defense, no Antonio Gibson, but Amari. And then really Dallas failed to get that pick six and like neither Zeke nor Amari could put it in, you know, for the score. And then like Gibson went nuts and, and Dallas defense just started hurting and Amari couldn't really. I mean, it just went downhill pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, but that's a two-game slate. I mean, you're playing for outlier yeah. situations. I mean, like, it, the variance is going to be ridiculous because the overlap in lineups is going to be so high that if, like, yeah. what, if you don't have Antonio Gibson, up, you lost. Like, it's like, because yeah. you can't make that up in, in 11 other games like we have this week. And uh, if you're going to play, uh, play the FanDuel single entry series. It's back. It's been back. Uh, we only got the two more weeks to go. Uh, if if you missed out, uh, maybe you can't make to the to the six man twenty k final. But there's still some of the best contests in the industry. Low rake, flat payout structure. There's single entry contests at three buy in levels: five dollar, thirty three dollar, and a hundred dollars. So uh, go to the FanDuel lobby, and if you're a single entry player, if you're a three max player, and you're playing on FanDuel, uh, these are must play contests. So for uh, for this slate, Stewart, we're getting back to like the normal, the, the or we, we could call it the new normal of the NFL. We had a slate last week where the highest total was 51 and the lowest total was 45. Very narrow spread. Now we're getting yeah. back to, you know, the top total is 55 and a half and the bottom total is 44. We, we have some, we have what? Let's see, one, two, three, four, five games over a 50 total. We have two games that are close, 49 and a half and 49. And then one, two, th- three, four, four games that are uh, significantly lower totals. Uh, on this type of slate, I know last week I was talking about playing the double stacks where, you know, it, you, you're trying to get the one game that does well. I think uh, from an overview perspective, without looking at the players, because we don't, we don't even know. Uh, I mean, people have been ruled out. People are be- People are getting covid uh, I'm not even sure. It's a Friday afternoon, and some. I mean, I just saw right now the uh, Todd Gurley is uh, is out for the Falcons. Like that literally just came in as we're recording. 
Uh, Julio Jones is questionable. We have we have a lot of people. We're gonna be we're gonna be looking at those Adam Schefter tweets at, at midnight on on Sunday in order to figure this out. But from an overall perspective, with the totals this high, uh, are we more likely to look for construction where we're single stacking in large field contests? Because there, there the oh, the probability of like one ceiling player out of a lot of these high total games is so much higher that instead of getting your, you know, the second piece of a double stack may get 18, but you could find 25 plus point players in like half these games. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I'd say you're, you're kind of the uh, Yoda on, on this topic, but I think to me that makes sense. I mean, the idea with double stacking is that you reduce the nut, like you're double stacking because you're looking to get a certain number of outcomes correct in your assessment of them as kind of good spots. Right. And by double stacking, rather than getting like nine individual slots, correct. You're really, you know, trying to get just like seven or, or even less. If you're kind of bringing guys back on the other side, maybe doing some internal correlations. Uh, but the trade-off with that is that you have less of a ceiling, right? Cause in general, fantasy players on the same team aside from, I guess, quarterbacks. So really those two wide receivers that are part of your double stack do cannibalize each other to some degree. Um, so when there's kind of these uh, slates where there's really a lot of high total games by double stacking and kind of getting this uh, cannibalistic pair, you're really preventing yourself from getting access to, um, you know, other plays that are in strong environments that aren't really competing with one another. Uh, but therefore you kind of have to get a few more things, right. Um, and this so is a large I, field contest. I mean, small field stuff. If you're playing stuff under a thousand entries, I mean, you don't need the nuts, right? You don't need, you don't need yeah. the highest possible score. So double stacking and then two run backs, you know, if you're playing, if you're playing a 200 man contest and you want to, you know, three, two stack. I mean, that's perfectly fine. And yeah. you could three, two stack in, in large field GPPs also just that game has to have like 75 plus points in it for it to be worth it. It's more due to the fact that we have games that what we have, we, I mean, we have more than half the games have 49 plus totals that some receiver in one game is going to have 10 more points than the second highest receiver of the game that has the highest total. So like, even if you do play the chiefs, and you play Hill and Kelsey together, like if if Hill gets a 30-plus point game, it's unlikely Kelsey does also. Kelsey will still have like 19 points, but is 19 points going to be good enough in a large field GPP where you may have multiple 20-plus, 25-plus point players in the, in the rest of the slate that you'll look at the top of the milli and you'll more likely see something that's closer to the nuts than in playing a smaller field contest, a single entry contest, the spy, or or just a three max contest, where like you don't have to get two hundred and sixty points, like you could win with two twenty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like like I think back to kind of your your audio course where it's like you want to think about these values as relative values, and like in a slate that is just on average kind of lower across the board, that nineteen points for Kelsey is more valuable than it is in a slate where you know six games are going kind of 60, you know, 50 to 60 points, you know, that 19 points for Kelsey has less relative value in which, you know, you might want to, yeah, consider staying skinny and, and trying to find guy who has more upside at 
essentially zero cost uh, to Tyreek Hill or something like that. Right. So let's let's take a look at the games. Uh, uh, I mean, we, we mentioned the Chiefs. They have they have the they have the highest uh, implied team total. That game has the highest total. It opened at fifty four. It's the Chiefs at the Buccaneers. Uh, it's a fifty five and a half total. Chiefs implied is uh, twenty nine point two five. Buccaneers applied twenty six point two five. Uh, I'm I'm gonna have to assume, as I always do. I know I never look at your top team probabilities. Uh, I would have to think the Chiefs are number one. Yeah, they are. Um, and you know because there are a handful of high total games, you know they're not running away uh, from the field in terms of likelihood of scoring the most points. They're at ten point three percent likelihood of scoring the most points. Buffalo. Uh, and Las Vegas actually not that far behind at 9.2% chance. So, um, you know, last week we had kind of no team standing head and shoulders above the rest of the field because every, not every, but the vast majority, really almost all of the games were uh, kind of condensed and low. This week we have no team running away from the field because uh, there are some high totals, but there's not just like one or two high total games, but really a whole kind of set. So, yeah, Chiefs are leading the way. Uh, in that regard, um, but now they're expensive. I mean, now we're getting we're getting Kelsey is the highest priced tight end at seven thousand. Tyreek is seventy eight hundred. Uh, Watkins yeah. is expected. He's he's trending towards returning. He's forty seven hundred, a little bit more manageable, uh, based on the context of the slate. Because I think we're getting into a unique slate. This almost feels like a week seventeen slate, in the fact that I mean, right now. Uh, I'm, I'm getting word uh, Adam Schefter's tweeting out that Thielen's not going to play on, on Sunday. So oh, that's, really? I mean, the Vikings are condensed enough as it is. So now that's, now that's going to be there. Uh, you know, we have Fitz out. We got, we got, we got tons of people. John Brown may not play. I'm going to suspect that there will be a lot of barbell lineups in GPPs because we're going to get players that, you know, was the wide receiver three. Now they're going to be the wide receiver two. They were seeing 57% of snaps. Now they're going to see 92% of snaps. If you go by projections, I mean, we have the the Jaguars. Chark is out. Conley's out. I mean, we're going to have a lot of like three to 4K guys, 4K running backs. We have Dalvin Cook on the slate. We have Travis Kelsey at 7K. I'm going to expect that we're going to see a lot of expensive stack or expensive like two plus one. And then a lot of these like little, little 3K one-offs, 4K one-offs. So I think on this slate, there may be a, a contrarian value, some leverage in construction. Now, if you if you build the medians of these lineups, they're going to be lower. The lineups of, that are balanced, where mm-hmm. they're like, yes, I see people playing Mahomes and Hill. I see many more people playing Mahomes and Kelsey because of the opportunity you know, a limited opportunity cost at tight end because Kelsey, I mean, he's the best tight end. You're going to be able to pay for him with a lot of these players out. Uh, so he's more likely to be the stacking partner with Mahomes. The mm-hmm. more interesting part of this game, Stuart, is the Tampa Bay side. Yeah, agree. Okay, you're with me. Okay, okay. Uh, well, well, don't worry. We'll get to the Browns at some point where you get. No, no, no. Are we are we gonna are we gonna go back to that again? Okay, well let, let's let's talk about the Buccaneers. Uh, Brady, the recency bias in the past three weeks are that Brady noodle arm. You know he's choking. 
But I mean, if we take that sample size, I mean, obviously we could take a sample size back 15 years and Brady's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Even we take it back to earlier this year, the Buccaneers, especially if they're down, are one of the most pass-heavy teams in the entire NFL. We don't expect, I mean, they're playing the Chiefs. We don't necessarily, we expect the game script being that the Chiefs are ahead. Uh, the Chiefs could put up points. And we have Chris Godwin at 6K, Antonio Brown at 5,700, and Mike Evans at 6,100. And it's not a condensed offense. We have Gronk also at 4,400. The problem with the Buccaneers that make keep people away is twofold. One, I mean, threefold technically, right? The Brady recency bias. Then we have the fact that, like, who do you choose? Godwin, Brown, Evans. I mean, they're all around 6K and they all have ceilings of 25 plus. But which one is it going to be? Like, to just determine, like, this is the guy. And then secondly, uh, who's going to be... Who's going to be double stacking? Like, because Brady could put up 350 yards and these guys are cheap enough that they could each get 25 points. So to me, the more intriguing uh, stack option here is Brady plus two and then Kelsey as the run back. And then you fill up that tight end spot just like everyone else does. But you're not betting on the Mahomes ceiling game. You're betting on the Brady ceiling game. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that side. And uh like you said, the real challenge is that you have to pick the right two out of, you know, three to four guys. Um, and I think that will scare some people away, but I mean, it's certainly from a price standpoint to me, a more uh, valuable side, I guess. Um, and, you know, if uh, Kansas city plays from ahead, I think that will uh, encourage Tampa Bay to be a little more pass heavy. Um, yeah. I think the challenge is going to be trying to figure out what, uh, know what pair of players makes the most sense um you know evans and godwin have had negative correlation uh over the past couple years their prices right now are lower than they have been in the past such that it's not uh prohibitively uh negatively correlated um but i mean they've really combined i guess what for their their combined maximum over the past two plus years is 65 uh 64 rather fantasy points. So um, I'll take it. Give me 64 bad fantasy points for 12 a yeah. and I'll take it every day for sure. But like, keep in mind that that came in the Jameis Winston era of, uh, you know, this Tampa Bay offense. And I think Brady is, I mean, they're, they're not like, I, I think the perception of like the, the current uh, scheme versus Jameis scheme is, uh, probably wider in difference than it actually is. Like the Tampa Bay is really throwing it around a lot. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I still just see, I have a hard time seeing how uh, their ceiling with Brady at quarterback is the same to their ceiling as when Jameis is a quarterback, but. Um, but it's mitigated by ownership. Like I'm taking a look here. Obviously ownership is going to be updated because we have so many players that are being starting to be ruled out. That it's yeah. gonna it's gonna flip the slate on its head, right? It's gonna do that. Mm -hmm. So, like right now, this is based on on as of like what about one o'clock Friday afternoon. Godwin three percent, Brown three point eight percent, Mike Evans one point seven percent. So, like like sure. yes, you can make the case that their ceilings ceiling probability is lower in a Brady offense, but it's to me it's mitigated by the ownership. Like like who's who's. Who's playing? It just seems odd to say that that the Buccaneers by themselves 
have a 26.25 implied total, which is still like one of the top five on the slate as it is, right? Is in that range. And yes, uh, the Chiefs are going to be owned. I mean, yes, that that Mahomes is going to be popular. Kelsey is going to be popular. Like no one's playing the other people will be playing one of the receivers as a run back in that stack. But based on our current ownership, I mean, Brady, 3.1% owned. You pair that up with any, I mean, even if you just skinny stack it, a 3% owned quarterback plus a 3% owned wide receiver, like who cares if Kelsey's 30% owned? Yeah. Um, no, I, I think it's crazy though. That that's if those ownerships, you know, hold and kind of match the projections, uh, that would be exceptionally low for a team that, you know, I, I currently have as the seventh most likely team to score the most points at 5.6%. Uh, yeah, I think there's going to be just fear because, you know, even if they do score the most points, you know, it's not a whole lot of confidence in who that will come through. Um, but you yeah, take advantage I, of that uncertainty. And sure. plus, we're going to see these barbell builds with expensive and cheap players. And these receivers fit that build of that balance of like going right down the middle and going, I'm going to fade Dalvin Cook, right? And and I'm going to fade some of these 3K crapper type of wide receivers that come into vogue, right? And and there you go. I mean, if 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 that barbell lineup doesn't, it fails, right? Cook doesn't put up enough. If, uh, you know, the 3K guys only put up eight points, like you'll, you'll be, you'll be different and uh, have much more relative value in those types of lineups. I mean, doesn't mean you don't play belt barbell lineups, but I'm leaning towards how can I build more balanced lineups this week and then comparing the medians of those lineups to the barbell ones. And if, if, if I get some that are close enough, like I'm more inclined to play those in large field than play, you know, the, the lineups that, you know, half the lineup is, is it's a chalky construction. It's like, you know, oh, instead of playing this 3K guy, I'm playing another 3K guy. Like, I'd rather just, like, avoid the range and then, like, hope of, like, multiple of them just don't hit a ceiling. Mm -hmm. But let's go to the next game. This game this game total is coming down. So this opened at 56. It's the Raiders at the Falcons. It's a 53 total now. Raiders have a 28 implied team total. Falcons at 25. Just got word that Gurley is out, uh, uh, Julio Jones is is questionable with a hamstring. Uh, looking at this, I mean, I, I I this was one of my favorite games to begin with. Uh, I fear that with the players now being out, that this will become popular now, because like if Julio's out, that'll increase the ownership of Calvin Ridley. With uh, Gurley out, that'll increase the ownership of someone like Brian Hill. Uh, we already have Waller as, I mean, if you're not going to play Kelsey, you're probably playing Waller. Uh, the quarterback ownership uh, currently projects fairly low. I think Carr and Ryan may be under 6K, like the two best under 6K quarterbacks for the slate, even though they have really no rushing equity at all. But Jacob should get ownership against the garbage Falcons defense. Like, I, I like this. I liked this game much better when, like, if Julio played in early, like, if everyone was healthy, because then you'd have to be forced to make hard choices. Like, right. are you going to stack Ryan with both Ridley and Jones? Well, Jones is 6,500, right? Like, if Jones is active, people are going to be like, well, his hamstring injury, and, you know, and then they're afraid to play him, and I'll play him. 
And then yeah. I'll, you know, tilt when, you know, he ends up coming out for a couple of series. But, you know, Julio Jones, uh, people are so scared of him when he's, whenever he's not chalk, that's usually when I do want to play him. But the stacks for this game, if these guys are out, are just so obvious that if I were, I mean, you still could play him. You just have to get him different everywhere. Uh, because like Ryan, Ridley, Waller just seems to make itself, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I had I had like three stars in my notes next to Atlanta and two next to Las Vegas. I mean, I thought this was a super interesting game. Um, you know, I think kind of similar to Tampa Bay with with there's I don't think there will be that many people that play like Ridley plus Julio. And I think people tend to believe that you need to pick one or the other. And I, I think I actually agree with that. But in, in lieu of picking one or the other, people will just kind of under under own, you know, what has potential to be two really strong uh, you know, single stacks, or you you could maybe throw in like a Hayden Hurst or whatever as double. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if Julio's out and and Gurley we know is out, uh, it does seem to make uh, Ridley to Ryan pretty, or at least Ridley quite popular. Uh, you already mentioned that Waller, um, who I think is, you know, a, a strong value play and, you know, would like to play either as part of car uh, stacks or as a bring back to Atlanta side. Uh, you know, all of a sudden it's kind of becoming a game if, if Julio is out that maybe has potential for elevated ownership, which, uh, you know, I don't know, I think makes it a little less appealing. I, I kind of felt like at this, uh, you know, kind of similar game total um, and uh, even price points like Buffalo, Los Angeles would just soak up so much uh, ownership and popularity that this game would be a pretty decent, uh, you know, pivot off of, that game for kind of building, you know, multiplayer kind of game stacks. Um, yeah, if Julio's out though, I, I do think it 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 does seem to to make will probably garner some popularity from uh, you know some of these other games that I was hoping uh, might be super popular and I could you know be a little under on. Um, but even with the secondary correlations, I mean, let's say people don't stack Ryan or Carr. Well, if Brian Hill at four K is going to start at running back for the Falcons and he's a pass catching back and like so people will play Hill and they'll play Waller together in the same lineup. It's like okay, well that's that's chalky. And then it's like oh I'm gonna play Ridley and Jacobs together. Okay, that's I mean like it just gives more options because it 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 takes away people that you that are more viable to play. To me, the more interesting player in this game, I mean I'll go out on a limb and say so, is Nelson Aguilar at forty nine hundred. Sure. Uh, current Brit blitz projections don't project him very well, but I think this entire Raiders team is extremely hard to project as it is because outside of Darren Waller, like these guys have target shares that like switch by the week, right? Hunter Renfro could be in for some plays rugs either is, you know, is, is, is just wind sprinting and doing nothing or is catching a bunch of passes. So like I'm more likely the more that, this game gets owned to find leverage in it in another way. I'm not saying, I, I I'm not saying that the game goes under, right? If you faded at a 53 plus total, like you're going, well, I hope that game fails. It's like, well, what happens if the game succeeds, but it's through Aguilar or it's through, uh, if Julio plays, it's through Julio. It's through Russell Gage. I mean, Russell Gage is kind of a Ponzi scheme. Right, you go. Okay, someone's out. Let me play Russell Gage, and then it's Christian Blake, and then it's uh, Olamide Zacchaeus. It's some other, some other third wide receiver that comes in. 
But like, I don't want to avoid this game because I still think it's it's not going to be the most popular game. The next game we're going to talk about is going to be the most popular game. So I still I don't want to make it out like you can't play Ryan Ridley Waller stacks or you can't play Carr Waller Ridley. You can't do something like Brian Hill as a run back. You know those types of things. It's just a matter of how how do you get different in the rest of your lineup uh, enough for the contest that you're in. So I still think that there are enough options, enough ways to pivot just in this game that like I don't plan on avoiding it. Yeah, I mean I I, I like that Aguilar call a lot. I mean I think there's um, I, I I kind of had circled the car. Waller Aguilar stack. Um, you know, a- Aguilar and Waller have found ways to kind of get there together. Um, so I-, I think that is a pretty good route. And, you know, you, you obviously have pretty, uh, you know, good bring back options in Julio or Ridley. But if, if uh, you know, if Jones is inactive, uh, it does kind of cut down, I think, your options on bringing back. And, and also, you know, the field is seems likely t- to see that as well. And maybe, uh, you know, soak up some popularity for, I guess, Ridley if, uh, you know, Julio's out. Or even a different way of stacking this game is to don't stack it with Waller and stack it with Hurst. So you do a Ryan, Ridley, Hurst, Aguilar, and then obviously Waller's going to be way more popular in the tight end spot than Hurst. Mm-hmm. Hurst we have projected on at seven, Waller at 15, Aguilar at like three. So like that game goes off, but – those Waller stacks, you know, Waller doesn't have a bad game, but he's sitting there with 13 points. But Hayden Hurst has two touchdowns, right? So Hayden Hurst has 18 points. Ridley has a 100-yard bonus and a touchdown. And Aguilar has a big bomb. And like, okay, people that stack that game typically stacked it with Waller. And if Waller is not doesn't end up being the tight, doesn't even end up being the tight end three or four on the slate, like those stacks become fairly worthless even if the game does go over. Yeah. Or, I mean, you could get off, you know, if you go with Hurst and avoid Waller, you know, you could build around a script in which, you know, Las Vegas just gets up early and goes, you know, so run heavy with Jacobs, um, you know, something like that, I think could be interesting. Yeah. I think there's a lot of secondary correlations here. Uh, the, the next game, which I think will be one of the most popular games on the slate. It's uh, it's it's open at a 51 and a half total. It's now up to 52 and a half. It's the Chargers at the Bills. The Bills with a 28.5 implied total. The Chargers with a 24 total. I'm going to assume, as I always, I'm going to say uh, after the Chiefs, Bills are number two on your top stack probability. Yeah, so they're they're tied with Las Vegas. Um, but this was updated this morning. So if you know that that total has come down due to Gurley injury, probably won't reflect that. Um but yeah, I mean, Buffalo, high total, you know, high likelihood of relatively of scoring the most points on the slate. Um, you know, with John Brown out, uh, I think makes projection for Steph Diggs, you know, tick up a little bit and just, uh, you know, make, make that stack pretty easy to spot. And then on the Los Angeles side, uh, you know, Keenan uh, figures to be, I think, a uh, pretty popular guy and kind of easy either bring back to spot or, uh, you know, if you are going to stack the LA uh, side, you know, makes for a natural pairing with Herbert. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, it's appears to be a strong game environment, but uh, it just does seem like the ownership is likely to be quite high on this game. And um, 
I don't know. I, I think it, uh, it might be a game. I, you know, I, I don't, yeah, you know, I, I think it's rightfully a good, you know, game environment. Um, I, I probably would just due to, uh, kind of ownership concerns be, you know, prefer to just take small pieces of this game and hope I get them right. As opposed to just stacking it up. Uh, you know, even if you hit that stack correctly, you're probably competing with, you know, 10 to 20, you know, 10 plus percent of the field. Uh, it just doesn't, you know, seem that advantageous to hit hit that stat correctly if it's going to be so popular. Right, which is also makes the, for the reason of how do you play any of the major players without running into the stack in the like it's one of those types of games. I am more likely to X out this game than any, and then obviously the lower total ones. Maybe I X out also, but mm-hmm. out of the higher total ones, I mean it's it's what I do. I mean, like people go, "How you nuts for do?" I mean. Uh, with John Brown out, you'll have Diggs, you'll have Beasley, you'll have Gabriel Davis will be a, a popular uh, 3K option. You may see him in cash games if Brown is out. On the 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 Chargers side, like I have no problem, Stewart, with the Bills. Like mm-hmm. to me, uh, the problem I have in this game is the Chargers. Sure. Uh, the, the Chargers, people, I mean, against the Jets, I mean, you can't count that game. I mean, the Jets are horrible. Uh, the Chargers only have a 24 implied total. I mean, like, we're not talking about a game where like both sides are that high. The Bills are a four and a half point favorite and the Chargers have the same implied total as the Panthers. The Titans have a higher implied total. The Cardinals, the Patriots have the same implied total. So people will look at an 8K Keenan Allen and go, well, how do I not play the Chargers Bills game? And if you take a look at Herbert's stats, it's like he's very efficient. Will that continue? Who knows? He's a rookie. It's that we don't have a large enough sample size and we have a ton of sample size with them playing the horrible teams. So like when I take a look at, at the QB ownership, Allen and Herbert come up one and two currently as of right now uh, on Friday afternoon. And like Allen at 8K, I mean, other than one or two games, Allen is more of a possession receiver to begin with. So like, yeah, I go, of course, it could, Herbert likes Allen. We could have that narrative all we want. But I just see there being more paths to failure over th- that that are over the ownership of the players. I mean, Keenan Allen projected 18% owned, Dig 15, Balage 15, depending on his availability, because we he's questionable. Uh, Henry, Williams, like I'm more, more likely if I'm going to take a one-off, like let me take Mike Williams as a one-off. Yeah. Right, let me take Hunter Henry. Let me take not Stefan Diggs and not Keenan Allen because if if they put up 40 points, like most likely Allen and Herbert are in the winning lineup and and I and I lose at that point. They're to me they're not bad median plays. But at 7600 and 8000, uh, according to the blitz then they don't even project all that well. And if they're going to be high owned and not project well and correlated with other pieces of this game, like I'd ra- I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather bet on the failure. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that Los Angeles side, the correlation is extremely odd. Like Herbert has, you know, weak, I think even negative correlation with Mike Williams, obviously, you know, small samples, he's a rookie quarterback, but like, I mean, just that last week was very weird. Like Keenan went for what, 30, 30 plus points. Mike Williams caught a touchdown, 17, uh, DraftKings points, Justin Herbert only had 30, 30 DraftKings points, you know, like kind of crazy that both those two receivers can get there in like such a big way. 
Um, and, you know, Herbert, like, don't get me wrong, you know, 30 is great, but at now this week, what, 7.2K, like, you know, to, for him to be in a tournament winning lineup, like he's got to get, I think, a little higher than that, or you just have to, you know, have some kind of one-off plays that smash for you. Um, because look at this, look at the expense of that stack. So if you play Josh Allen and Diggs, like just those two together, mm -hmm. it's cheaper than playing Allen and Herbert. I mean, or, or about the, I mean, Allen and Herbert are more expensive than, I mean, it's, you're, you're essentially playing the same price as Mahomes to Kelsey, right? I mean, you're, you're essentially yeah. playing the same. I mean, but the chiefs have a 29.25 implied total. I mean, like, I'm just taking a look at, if you just look at the implied total of 24, like why are you spending that much on a correlation when you have teams that are better than that? I mean, the team on the other side of the game is better than that. So is, is there, there may be value if I don't fade the game to play an Allen to Diggs combination, but just basically X out Keenan Allen from my player pool. Cause at Mike Williams at 6% or Hunter Henry at 6% and those type of guys that play the running back, even like, I think that's a bet. That's a better way to mitigate ownership. Than to than to either play at because if you play Herbert you almost have to play Allen, right at, yeah. at that point for his ceiling. So I think between the two, I'd rather take a shot on the team that has a twenty eight point five total than the one that has a twenty four. For sure, I mean, yeah, I don't think you have like I don't think you have to if you're not playing Herbert. I don't think you have to play, you know, an LAC guy. Um, yeah, it's just well, not, not for leverage. Like if you're not going to play Allen, you play Mike Williams as a one off. Right. Or, or I mean, yeah. even the secondary correlations like, but this doesn't seem like the type of game that I want secondary correlations in. If two guys in this game go off on both sides of the ball, most likely one of the quarterbacks is going to be one is at least QB one through QB three or something at the top yeah. that I'd rather have him in. So like, I don't mind these guys as one of playing Hunter Henry is a one off tight end. It's tight end. Who cares? Right. Mike Williams, he could have a big play and that game could still go under like it's, it's more of the digs and the Allens of that I'm looking at where it's like, do I want to play digs without Allen? Do I want to play? Do I want to play Allen Keenan Allen without Herbert? And it, it's hard for me on an 11 game slate to say, like, I, I, I think I could get points elsewhere. We have bigger total games that even if Ste Stefan Diggs has 27 points and Allen isn't the QB one that digs is 27 points. I could find elsewhere. I, I, they're, they're, we have all these high total games that maybe 27 isn't good enough to be like guaranteed to be in the GPP winning lineup. Yeah. One last thing on this game, it, it'd be pretty interesting if Austin Eckler was activated and uh, I mean, somehow muddled up this uh, LA side even further. We, we wouldn't even know how much he was even going to play. Even yeah, no, no. Activated. Yeah, I'm not saying so much from a wanting to play him standpoint, but just, you know, further reason, uh, you know, if he, if he is active, even in a part-time capacity, you know, figures to suck away some potential usage from like Allen or, you know, really anyone on that team. So yeah, we don't, we don't know who's playing. We don't know who's not playing. This slate is turning into just major balls, right? Just major balls and talking about your balls. The holidays are here. Yes, the holidays are here, and Manscaped has updated their copy for their ad reads. Yeah, finally, <laughs> let's give a let's give a round of standing ovation for that. The holidays are here. Have you made your wish list? Yes, yet 
Have you made your wish list yet? I have, right? I've, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the slate. I've made my wish list on what players need to do well for my lineups. But after that, you know, our sponsor today has the number one wished for gift of the year of the year. It's Manscaped, the best in men's below and above the belt grooming. Manscaped is here to ensure you're taking care of your manhood and your nose hairs with their new performance package. You want to you, you want to take care of your package. You got to get this package. So ho, 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 fellas. Naughty or nice, tis the season to perform. To perform. You know what that means. That means in the bed, right? To perf- Not perform in your DFS lineups. Perform for your lady or your man. I don't want to, or whatever. I'm going to get into trouble for this now. Okay. You're in luck. Because Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and makes for the perfect gift. Perfect gift for yourself, probably. I don't know. Stuart, if if I bought you a, a ball trimmer for Christmas, would that be kind of weird? Like a man giving another man a ball trimmer gift? Is that is, is that yeah. a little bit weird? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, uh, you know, if we got the two gender teams, you're really hoping for kind of some cross-game gift correlation as, po- as opposed to, you know, gender stack, you know, stacking the same gender side. Uh, you know, we're really we're really hoping for kind of one of those, uh, you know, micro-secondary uh, cross-gender stacks, um, I think more so than the, uh, you know, same team stack here on this one. Right. I, I think I think, uh, I think you, have to get, you have to get your significant other to get you this gift. But it's perfect. Imagine opening an attractive box that says your balls will thank you. Because that's what it says. With with the most sought-after gadgets and scents a person could find. Including in the new package is the Weed Whacker. Ear and a nose hair trimmer, which is waterproof. And uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. I, I, I think I need to put on safety goggles to use something like that. Uh, look, guys. 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Well, all right. You, 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 the correlation between long nose hair and you getting lucky in bed, probably, probably low. And Stuart, is it, that's probably a, a strong weak correlate. It's like minus uh, what, but 0.56 or something. Something like that. I mean, that's, that's definitely negative. I would say, you know, your DFS performance lineup probably is, is kind of the more positive correlate of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, probably want to be short on the nose hair. Um, yeah, I, I go the other way around. See, what I do is that I don't trim my nose hair, but I win enough in DFS that the that, that my wife likes the money. So like on the weeks that I lose, like that's when I have to trim my nose hair. So like that's what I'm gonna have to do because this bundle includes the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body. The dads can't stop talking about it. I know my dad can't. Right? Every time I talk to him, he talks to me about his ball trimmer. Right? We don't have much in common. The teens secretly buy this. I don't. I don't have a teenager, so I'm not sure. Maybe if he, parents out there. You have to check underneath the mattress, okay? Typically, that's where that's where you put the porn, and that's when you put that's where you put your ball trimmer, right? And the women will love you for it; they will, or the they, they they'll love you anyway, right? It almost seems kind of kind of like no, I won't love you unless unless you unless you trim your ball hair. Like, what kind of a woman is that? Like, you want it? You want to look nice for them, but if they're going to judge you that harshly, maybe maybe you're not with the right woman, right? My wife doesn't seem to care. 
This is the season to manscape. So get your package, your dad, your brother, and friends. Get them all. Just get a ton of them. Uh, and the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package. Imagine, Stuart, if you have a big family. Let's say you have you have a lot of brothers or whatever. I'm going to just make up. You have a fictitious family. And like Christmas comes, you come in, all the kids, you know, oh, it's Uncle So-and-So here. And you have your, your seven brothers and your five dads and your, your 16 uncles and whatever. And you just come and all and all of your gifts for all of them were a Manscaped product. What, what, don't, don't you think that they would be like, wow, I can't believe, I can't believe how cool Stuart was. Or, <laughs> would you either think that or would you think that, wow, you have a really hairy family? Must be. I got a younger brother actually who is like exceptionally hairy uh, in his his upper body. So maybe I got to uh, you know I'm got gonna extrapolate there. Maybe this might be the gift for him. Uh, right, a little hint, a little hint. Like, hey, buddy, you know, like <laughs> I could see it through your shirt. Let's go. Come on. Okay, so let's not forget about the famous liquid formulation, the crop preserver, ball deodorant, and crop reviver, ball toner to maximize. Your ball hygiene routine. Now, Stuart, I don't know about your ball hygiene routine, uh, but uh, what it's it's very similar to my DFS process. Like I, for, I take uh, early in the day, I take a look at my balls and I go, okay, I need to, I need to first wait on ownership. So, uh, like obviously, you know, I wait on ownership. Okay, my wife. Okay, my wife owns my balls, and I'll be like, okay, now now let let me see if I can leverage that, and then 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 maybe maybe I go on some some websites. Then it's like, oh, okay, this is how I could leverage my, I, I, I don't even need my <laughs> wife with these websites. And then event, eventually it comes back to the chalk. Eventually, eventually uh, my process leads back to a very, you know, uh, I tell my wife, I'm a chalk donkey in bed, right? I just, I, <laughs> I, 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 I like it one way and like, I'm good. It's, it's a cash game. line. I know. I tell my wife, it's a cash game lineup. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a median, it's a median build. I'm sorry. I'm not going for ceiling outcomes. Uh, definitely not going for ceiling outcomes. So, uh, so that, that's why I get the Manscaped products. So you have to get the Manscaped performance package now to receive the two free gifts, the Manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag. The performance package is the best value that Manscaped has to offer and is hot off the shelves. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ROTO, R-O-T-O, at manscaped.com. Thank you, Manscaped, for making our holes look sexy. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code ROTO, R-O-T-O, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code R-O-T-O. What are you waiting for? You know what the last line of the copy is, Stuart? It's go whack your weeds and make Santa proud. I don't believe in Santa, so uh, so I'm not going to make him proud. I'm going to make myself proud by, you know, I don't know. How am I going to make myself proud? I'd... I, I don't I don't do much ball hygiene, but the more and more I make these ad rates, it feels like it feels like everyone else is doing ball hygiene and I gotta keep <laughs> up. <laughs> I'm sure that's what the uh, ad readers are kind of wanting wanting to uh, instill. So uh, I feel jealous. Bad. I feel like have I have I really have I not been taking care of my balls enough? <laughs> have I? I? I guess not. I guess I guess I should. Are people talking about it behind my back? I don't know. Should I run a poll on Twitter? You know, should I be taking care of my balls? I have no idea. How many times can I mention balls in a span of five minutes? Well, we did it already. So let's go. Let's go to the next game on the docket. A uh, game that that uh, everything has changed in this game because uh, Thielen is out and 
Uh, who I mean, who knows? But by the time you listen to this tomorrow, who knows? Everything else has changed also. Feels like an NBA slate. So we got uh, uh, this opened at 51. It's now up to 51 and a half. It's the Panthers at the Vikings. It's uh, the Vikings have a 27.5 implied total. The Panthers have a 24 implied total. We just got word that Thielen is unlikely. We'll, f- we'll probably find out more tomorrow because he, he got a positive test for COVID, but then he got a negative test. So it's like the type of thing where you have to test negative a certain amount of times. He hasn't been at practice, obviously. So we'll find out more tomorrow. But, I mean, we're talking about the team that has probably the most condensed offense in all of football, and you're going to take one-third of it out. How how does how does Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson like not become like obviously Cook is going to be chalky. <laughs> he's ninety five hundred, but if he's going to touch the ball thirty five times a game, then they the most raw points on the slate. Uh, you're going to have something like Chad Beebe out there. I mean, Irv Smith is doubtful also, so you have Kyle Rudolph at twenty eight hundred. You have these Carolina guys facing a, a Minnesota secondary that isn't all that great. They're inside the dome. I think Robbie Anderson is underpriced at 6,100. You got more there. You got Samuel there. You, I mean, uh, you got Mike Davis, even if you want him, because McCaffrey's not back. Like, out of all the games, like, to me, this is the game. Like, this is the game that if it hits its total at 51, like, I could see, like, only five guys getting points. So like, why wouldn't you want all of the, why, why couldn't you, I'm not even saying to play cousins. I'm not even saying I'm almost rather Stewart. It seems weird to say large field GPPs, but who says I can't play Bridgewater, assuming that he's in Bridgewater plus Anderson, and then also playing cook and Jefferson. And like, I don't even care that like I'm playing two, two runbacks, but where do you see the production going in this game? That, that like, who are you playing? Uh, I mean, I don't know. To me, that that Carolina total feels a bit low for me to entertain Bridgewater. Um, but I do agree. I mean, with Thielen out, it, it uh, you know, if he was in, I kind of had typed up in my notes here. Like I, th- I thought, you know, we, we've talked about him on the show before. I mean, Cousins, Thielen, Jefferson, I think always makes for a really nice uh, leverage stack against Cook. But if there's no, no Thielen, it, it does – Begin, you know, if you're trying to get leverage off of, say, Cook, you know, you're really going to have to be thinking about taking some, I think, pretty thin plays. Uh, for me, it, it kind of feels like a game where I just will eat the Cook chalk, uh, probably try to run back a decent bit with uh, either Anderson or more. Um, and yeah, and because try- the leverage, I don't think it, I think with feeling out, like there's no leverage, it's very similar to the past uh, weekend slate where Cook is chalk and Jefferson's chalk. So it's like, like yeah. okay, well, I'm going to fade Cook and play Jefferson. It's like, well, uh, what did you gain that much? I think I think the leverage play is to play Jefferson and Rudolph with Cousins without Cook. You do something okay. like that. Because obviously, if you're paying down 2800 for a tight end, like you ain't playing Kelsey, you ain't playing Waller. So you're getting positional leverage. You're getting price leverage. Uh, you're fading Dalvin Cook. But at that point, if, they, if, if the... If the Vikings are going to have all their production through their pass game, you have to assume that Carolina is ahead in this game. So, like, yeah, how do you not play one of their – I mean, even if it's Mike Davis, 
But I mean, he's going to generate some ownership. We have currently projected at 14%. We have Cook at 37%. We have Justin Jefferson at 21% even before the Thielen news. So now this number is going to come up dramatically because he could end up being the highest owned wide receiver on the entire slate now. Robbie Anderson's around 10%. Samuel and Moore are around 10%. So that's why it's like in this game, I think it's the most condensed offenses, but more of the leverage exists on the Carolina side because people will play. The, you, you may see half the lineups and contests with at least one Viking in it. So like, is, is getting Cousins in my lineup like enough? Like, is that is that in and of itself? Is he going to be QB1 on the slate? Well, probably not compared to a Mahomes and compared to some of these other guys. So I'm trying to figure out how can I be different? Is being different playing Chad Beebe? I mean, is it being is, is that the is that the leverage play? Because you have to assume with Thielen out, like Beebe will take on that type of role, more so than a Ola BC Johnson or someone like that. And then mm-hmm. we get, and obviously Chad Beebe at 3K. We have like Isabella, we got Gabriel Davis. We got Denzel Mims. We got some of these 3K. We got the Chenault and Cole that that may get ownership. Are people going to just go like, well, I'm going to play those 3K wide receivers, those those 3K guys with Cook, with Jefferson, when in actuality, you want to play the expensive wide receivers on those teams. You want to play Crowder and then play BB. So you're still using the same amount of salary, but you're taking the leverage off of two spots at the same time. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, just I, I guess, I'm just, I guess I'm just it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, it, it's an idea. I, I don't feel too comfortable about, uh, but, and you know, I get, we have to get uncomfortable um, at times. Um, I don't know. I, I probably won't be doing too much uh, Chad BB uh, kind of cousins stacking and like, I don't know, even, even Rudolph, I guess at that price, you know, you, you, you're kind of counting on him to get a, a touchdown plus. Um, I guess the one thing I'm curious if, if you know, because I, I think I would probably like to be a bit, I guess, under on this game and, and not really stacking it up. But, you know, it's, it's the Minnesota side in particular has a high enough total that, you know, I think I will want to have some pieces from the game uh built into like other uh, kind of core stacks. I mean, between Jefferson and Cook, do you feel that one has a particularly higher risk of failing at their price? Or is, you know, if you want to be under uh, on the, I guess, combination of Cook and Jefferson rather than just take one, just take zero? Uh, I, 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 with the Vikings have nearly a four touchdown implied total yeah that, take a look at the vikings that that are available like how do, how does this happen like i mean i'm just like it's it's cook it's jefferson it's i mean like like how else are they getting there i mean you're 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 if you're not playing these guys then just assuming that the vikings vikings you know have a kirk cousins meltdown game you know the carolina gets up to a two touchdown lead and kirk cousins is throwing pickoffs he's throwing four interceptions which obviously yeah. is possible but like obviously Cook at 9500 has obviously has a higher path to failure because of his price because even mm-hmm. if he puts up like he did last week 29 points like that wasn't necessary you don't even need it right you you, you all you had you needed Thielen you needed 
Allen, and then that's and you could have made up those points elsewhere. Running backs fall in the end zones enough that you could find a 5K guy that gets 20 points and be fine. Uh, but then you have Jefferson there that is going to be popular at a 6K wide receiver slot. This is the reason why, like, like if you could find 5,500 to $6,500 wide receivers, like that balanced build, that non-barbell build, like it makes all the sense on this type of slate. Because if you're not using a, a 9K running back and you're not using Jefferson in the 6K range, like you're making a lineup that is going to be dramatically different than so many other lineups in your contest. But you don't do that in nine slots in your lineup. So like I look at this, Stewart, and go, yeah, I'll, I'll Cook projects as the highest guy on the slate. Jefferson's going to project as probably the top point per dollar wide receiver on the slate. Like I can't, I'm not going to build. It's it's quite possible that come Sunday I make a rule that I have at least one of these guys in all my lineup. Like it, it could be one of those things where one of these guys gets here. I don't know which one it's going to be, but to not have a Viking in your lineup is saying that they only score 10 points. They, they like, I just don't see where the, where is the ball going? Where, where's the ball going that, that uh, barring an injury, right? Cook gets hurt and then Madison comes in. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Injuries happen. I just don't see how do the Vikings get to a, a four touchdown total and, without feeling in and it not be through like mostly through Cook or Jefferson. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, I mean, would you entertain the idea of playing both of them without cousins or to me, that just seems like really, oh, okay. Yeah. I was saying um, that before I said, why can't I run Bridgewater? And there were, right. The okay. I mean, if the Vikings well, so, get four touchdowns and mm-hmm. Jefferson could have a game where he, he goes 11, like Cousins could throw the ball only 20 times and Jefferson could have a 50 plus percent market share targets. Let's yeah. say Jefferson goes for 11 for 150 and a touchdown for 6,300. We're talking, we're talking about 35 points. And then yeah. Cook has three touchdowns on 140 yards. I mean, like, like he, he's there too, like 14, 17, 35 plus points, right? I mean, the Vikings score four touchdowns. It's all through those two players. And you've had both of them, you win. Okay, sure. And all right. And so but that you're saying you're you're intending to, you know, run backs uh, or or play that against like a Bridgewater plus Carolina side or or at least a Carolina piece. Maybe okay, not a Bridgewater right. stack, but in I'm more inclined with a chalk Cook and a chalk Jefferson to have Anderson Samuel Moore Davis like one of those guys in mm-hmm. all of those those lineups. Yeah, just, no, I agree. just to mitigate the ownership. Because even though they're coming in owned nine, ten percent, it's still better than 30 plus percent of these other guys. Where, like, in order for Cook and, and Jefferson to really explode, and uh, assume, I mean, obviously the Vikings can come out and just blow them out of the water 42 to seven. I mean, it can happen, but it's more likely I'm more likely to have Cook as a one off than Jefferson without a pass catcher for the Panthers. Because let's say the Vikings do blow the doors off. Cook probably touched the ball 38 times. Because if the Vikings are up two touchdowns, like they, they aren't going to let Cousins throw the ball much. He's going to throw the ball 16 times. So to me, the safer play is Cook without a Carolina player than Jefferson. I think Jefferson's ceiling, if you're going to get 35 points, is more tied to the Panthers uh, putting up a fight. Okay. Um. So let's go to the last game that is a 50-plus total, 
It's the Titans at the Colts. It opened at 49 and a half. It's up to 51 and a half. The Colts have a 27.25 implied total. The Titans have a 24.25 implied total. I'm going to assume, Stewart, that the Colts are up there on the team to score the most points. But the problem with the Colts is uh, they could score the most points through like 10 different guys. So how the hell do you stack this game? Yeah, I mean, they're a perennial kind of uh, never at the top of the model, but always towards the top uh, contender, like well-priced relative to their total. But uh, like you said, you know, consistently difficult to figure out who it's going to go through. And, you know, we talked a bit about them last week, and I think it made more sense last week on a slate when there were fewer, um, you know, options towards the top of the, I guess, price scale and just total kind of raw projection uh, scale. And, uh, you know, this week, I think we have more uh, kind of uh, top level, top tier uh, players, which I think just makes it tough to, uh, you know, stomach spending a bunch of lineups on just some smattering of Colts players, um, you know, with the hope that you're going to hit it. And like, you know, even if uh, Colts go kind of over their implied total in a, you know, respectable way, uh, there's just enough kind of high total games on the slate that still doesn't even really guarantee that, you know, you're going to be, you know, climbing super quickly to the top of the leaderboard. Um, I, I think they are, uh, you know, just compelling from kind of a price standpoint, but it's a you know, price relative to total. But, you know, I, I think there are other teams that I would be more excited to stack than the Colts side. Um, right, because we have a Colts team that the highest target share receiver has a 13% target share. Yeah. I mean, that, like, that's, that's what I mean by like, yeah, they're cheap. Yeah, sure. They're priced as if they have those target shares, but we're yeah. looking at ceiling in GPP. T.Y. Hilton's 3,900. I mean, we've never seen him that cheap. Maybe you play him and lose money again for the 7 millionth week in a row. Uh, most, I, I will, I will, most, I can't not. He's projected. He, I, I can't. I can't argue with the projections, right? Until Hilton is free, I'm probably going to keep on playing him until I die. Uh, I think I'm more likely to to uh, play a Tennessee one-off. Maybe not a Tannehill stack or anything, but I think uh, Corey Davis and AJ Brown being indoors in Indianapolis, uh, like I have no problem with that. And I think I think Derek Henry is going to get some ownership. We have him currently projected at 22% owned. And my rule typically with uh, with Derek Henry is that when he's popular, I'm under on him. And when he's not popular, I'm over on him. And if he's going to be, if he's going to be 20 plus percent owned uh, on a, on a fairly weak running back slate in general, uh, well, not anymore. I mean, we not, we may have cheap running backs now. Uh, I'm just less likely to play a, a yardage and touchdown back that really sees no passing game involvement. Yeah. And he, uh, there was, I think a point kind of late last season, early this season where there was maybe like a little bit of optimism around Henry's pass catching role, but like he's been, you know, pretty comfortably near zero, uh, in the past role, which, yeah, I mean, uh, makes him pretty tough to stomach, uh, even, even as like a one-off, um, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe some of the Tennessee pass catchers, um, but yeah, I don't know, uh, not not too interested in, in this game in general, uh, really, really on either side. Well, uh, let's talk about the games that don't have 50 totals. The the best of the rest, uh, we can't go in a podcast 
without talking about them. <laughs> uh, but but it, I, I think this game, this game is a weird game that features one of your proclivities and one of my proclivities, right? It features the Brown uh -huh. that somehow you're, because they always show up with like a decent total, but they run the ball so much that it's like, other than their running backs, it's kind of hard for the entire offense to ever hit a ceiling. And then we have the Jaguars who have one of the lowest totals on the slate, 21.25 that are playing a, basically a backup quarterback and their two primary receivers are out. So like that's that, like you could legitimately stack that team for like the change you find in your cushions in your couch, right? We have Chenault, you have Cole, you have Glennon, but on a slate with this many high totals, like it, it comes down. I've been saying this all year. I know I'm the king of the vomit stacks, but I play vomit stacks when the, when the overall totals of the slate are lower, where we have like, there's no big team. There's not multiple of them. Like I just, who are you spending the money on? If you're playing Glennon plus Chenault plus Eifert or something, and you're running that back with Chubb or Hunt or something. And then what you're playing, then you're just playing Cook and Tyreek Hill. And you're just playing the, in order for those one-offs to go off, those games have to go off. Like I, this is to me, why are you playing the Jaguars? Yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna gonna try to learn my lesson uh, from previous weeks. I mean, yeah, Cleveland, we actually have them as the fourth most likely team to score the most points, uh, seven point five percent chance. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna 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 try to learn from from past mistakes and uh, you know quit uh, quit the Cleveland smack. So um, is there anything <laughs> yeah. else that on the slate that looks yeah, so enough? I think we've touched on kind of the the high total games and, and the kind of and, and touched them in a way where we kind of illuminated which ones seem more and less interesting. Um, I mean, it's pretty deep, but uh, God, I mean, the, the Giants team is uh, very 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 cheap. Um, they their total isn't terrible. We have them at a four point four percent chance of scoring the most points on the slate. Um, you know, I think, you know, they're, they're a long shot, but I think getting some ownership to, or some, you know, a few, a few Giants lineups might be something I look into, you know, something like Jones, uh, Jones Shepard, uh, maybe bring back uh, Boyd, I guess, uh, or Higgins, um, you know, keeping, keeping that skinny. Um I mean, I, I, I just, I, I think Denzel Mims is, is yet again a strong play. And so, uh, you know, I, I maybe have some interest in trying to uh, get like a small Miami stack Mims bring back. Um, I think they're also quite cheap relative to implied total. Um, so those are some real like dumpster, uh, you know, true, true vomit stacks. Um I think it's going to be tough for either of them to really scale to the top of the slate, just given how many high totals there are. Uh, so it might be worth just reserving those for uh, secondary stacks and kind of, you know, getting using like, you know, receiver versus receiver around a kind of team that's more likely to score the most points. But uh, nonetheless, just figure I'd bring them up as kind of not, not total, uh, not total zero chance of, you know, scoring the most points. And I think relatively cheap. Right. They, they, those types of stacks end up in like the medium. winning lineup. Typically when the, the, the higher stacks fail, 
Like, yeah. it, like that, that's the whole point of the vomit stack of like, you know, I don't need, uh, I don't need the dolphins to put up 45 points. I just need them to put up 31 and the chiefs to not put up 31. And I need the, the, the Buffalo bills to not put up 31, but we have so many of these teams that it's like, if it was one game, if it was like the chiefs Buccaneers game, 55 and a half. And then the next game is 48 total. Like then, then it's kind of like, okay, one game could fail. And then I can yeah. grab one of these 44 totals and I could be fine with it. If they go over, you know, if the 44 total ends up being a 52 point game, like then I could beat out one of the top teams. But I mean, like we have half to half the games are 50 plus. So yeah, I need all of them to fail. It's going to be hard for all of them to fail. Sure. Yeah. But uh, this will be the week, Stuart, that the Browns put up 64 points. <laughs> yeah i mean go figure you gotta um, make one lineup Stuart. you gotta make you gotta make a mayfield lineup go you gotta it's yeah required. uh well i mean we'll, <laughs> put it in a three dollar play action i don't care just make make one of them yeah no, i'll see what i can do i'll try to put together my best best mayfield lineup just for, yeah but the, uh, best shits, browns shits line, the best browns lineup win yeah most likely um yeah seems seems like a long shot but um yeah i think think a good slate you know there's a number of you know, games to, to target. Um, so yeah, ho- hopefully uh, some of this injury stuff will clear up in the next couple of days and we can have a you know, clear, clear plan for what to do. I mean, I think also like, you know, we, we've talked about guys who are, you know, prior kind of perceived to be active, gone inactive. I mean, I think there's a handful of running backs that are potentially coming off IR, uh, which could make things interesting. Um not so much in terms of wanting to play them, but just being cognizant of, uh, you know, like what if Gaskin comes back? What if Eckler comes back? Um, you know, stuff like that. I think uh, something to, to pay attention to. Well, people can check out your work at advancedsportsanalytics.com. You got the the player correlation tool. You got obviously the sub, sub stack you could subscribe to. You got tools on the site uh, that uh, are, are not necessarily available on Roto-Grinders. You could always... Obviously, get our tools, rotogrinders.com slash premium. Uh, but uh, I mean, I, I've, I've heard a lot of good feedback of people. People this year seem to be talking more about correlation and leverage than they have in, 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 the, in the past years of like, we're looking to build good lineups and not necessarily looking to build lineups that have nine plays in it. It's like, how does this lineup win and not how does this player do well? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I think like I've really enjoyed just the up, one of the updates we've made to the correlation tool is being able to see what players combined ceilings are. Um, I think it's been super useful for me to kind of understand like, all right, what's a realistic ceiling? Not for like, like what's not, not what is Julio Jones ceiling and what is Calvin Ridley's ceiling? And then their ceiling is the combination of those two ceilings. Cause we know that for them to reach those two ceiling games, if they don't correlate well, you know, it's not, it's, it's super unlikely that those two players hit both of their ceilings on the same game. So understanding uh, not only the ceiling of individual plays, but the ceiling of players as a uh, combination or set, I think is super valuable and uh, you know, something I've been trying to pay attention to, uh, you know, in, in kind of my, my preparation for the slate and preparation for the show. So um, I think if people want to check that out. They can at our uh, site. Yeah. And also on AS analytics, DFS, on Twitter at start Gibson on Twitter. I'm at blender HD on Twitter. So for, for Stuart, I'm Jordan Cooper. 
And this has been the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on rotogrinders.com. Thank you.